Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Uh, I was thinking about the possibility of Julio Jones getting traded, and if you kind of heard a little story about Shannon Sharp calling him up, uh, I'm going to throw a little more detail into what I want to talk about a little bit later. Um, thinking about Brandon Jacobs, probably working out hard since he's been retired from the National Football League. Here's Tim Tebow making a comeback and decides that he wants to play. I'm going to rank uh, the legitimacy in that comeback. But I'm going to start out by talking about another of the patented points here on the PBS. One of the things that we always get into and I, I think it's it's safe to say that there is a little more of an opportunity that a professional athlete or even a coach in some examples gets when it comes to the ability to do their job. There's so few top athletes that play particular sports and there's so few coaches that have the reputation or the the background to be able to continue to do so or in other words are have the same type of demand available year upon year and it's not the easiest thing to do to say hey we're going to go out there and, and replace this player with another player in some cases the experience of the player the talent of the player kind, kind of stands out and you, you wonder and you understand why some players get a little more and have end up getting more liberties when it comes to mistakes they make both on and off the field. I can go on a long time when it comes to the history of players and coaches getting a chance, a shot, an opportunity, but most importantly, getting a, another chance after they do something, whether it's against the law, in some cases requires jail time. But now in a day and age that we live in, we have to deal with woke and we have to deal with cancel culture. So those are things that really have more power than that of the court of law. If somebody is outed when it comes to you know the, the wokeness that's out there, then it's hard for them to be able to even have their same friends or be around their family again because there's an embarrassment of the friends and family of the person for what they did or what they're accused of doing. Now, like I said, we're not talking about going up in front of a judge, having a jury, and pleading your innocence, and in the end, you may be found guilty. This is something that you're accused of, something that somebody calls you out for doing or being, and a stigma that will, in many cases, stick with that individual for the rest of their life. Now, some of the examples I'm going to make are actual criminal 
charges and convictions that people have been up against. The most recent, Major League Baseball continued its investigation on former MLB pitching coach and former Mets manager Mickey Calloway um, in regards to lewd conduct, uh, certain examples of different things that he was saying and doing when it came to women, whether they're reporters or females associated with the game of baseball. And when this thing first kind of came to a head, I wanted to treat Mickey Callaway as if he was any person that was accused of a crime. Now, in these cases, there was no criminal charges ever filed. So this doesn't even constitute a crime. But I feel or felt up to that point that he deserved the right to a fair trial or to be innocent until he was proven guilty. And for those that insisted that Mickey Callaway should have been instantly fired once those accusations were levied and put up against them, I couldn't disagree with you anymore. They were, they, they were serious. There's nothing that would say that, hey, if he did the stuff that he was accused of doing, that would not be acceptable. And if he was accused, not just accused, but convicted or proven to have done what he allegedly did, then he should lose his job. Obviously, baseball can continued and finished their investigation and determined that Mickey Callaway did enough that would warrant um, an ineligibility or a suspension which would last over the next year and a half. So to say, hey, he is suspended for the end of the season or ineligible for the end of the season, it would be the equivalent of a season-long suspension, pretty similar to what Alex Cora got with the Boston Red Sox. He was rehired. A.J. Hinch got a year-long suspension as the manager of the Houston Astros. Both were fired. Cora was rehired. Hinch was hired by the Detroit Tigers. So you, you would think, all right, then maybe that's on the same level as what those uh, managers were up against. The fact that MLB tacked on another year, though, and said that he's going to be ineligible till the end of 2022 has to make it seem like there was something real legitimate there that they had something in regards to emails and text messages to a point where Mickey Callaway not only acted inappropriately, but did something that was harassing in, in nature or you know something that could have been considered assaulting or threatening. Now, I don't, I don't think baseball's got to release this report. So if you're the athletic trying to make a name for yourself, like the you know the online newspaper tries to do, don't go digging into the files of Major League Baseball and see exactly what they have against this guy. Because what what can be determined by what happened was there was enough that he can we could all agree that he did something that was wrong. Was it reprehensible? Maybe, but it was something that was not expected for somebody in the position of authority that he had when he was a pitching coach for the Indians, when he was a manager for the Mets, and the Angels did the right thing by firing him right away. So what I want to get into here is what would, and I'm going to use Mickey Callaway as an example, 
what would constitute the grounds to where a person should not be allowed any sort of employment again. If it was determined that what Mr. Callaway did was that vulgar, reprehensible, then he would essentially be banned for life. He would not have an opportunity to work in Major League Baseball again. Now, former Braves general manager, John Coppolella, for through manipulation of the international free agent signing market, was banned for baseball for life for what he did. John Coppolella cannot, I mean, may be able to apply for reinstatement at some point, but is not allowed to associate himself or work in a game of baseball. Pete Rose for gambling as the conduct was detrimental to baseball, is banned for life. Pete Rose can't get a job as a manager or work in a team's front office. Now, Mickey Callaway, at some point, will probably be reinstated by Major League Baseball. And in the woke, cancel culture type of society that we live in, he may not be in a position to get a job again. And I've made very many examples. The Plaxico Burris example. He Now, he didn't do anything heinous. He carried a gun with him into a club. It accidentally went off and he hurt himself. But you know what? It could have gone off and inadvertently shot somebody else. Somebody could have lost their life because of Plaxico Burris' decision to bring a, glove into a, new, a, a gun into a New York City club. Now, he ended up having to serve time in prison for that. Once he was released, he was reinstated and ended up playing in a National Football League again. Now, Michael Vick. Michael Vick did something that I consider and many consider to be extremely heinous. His involvement in the dog trafficking and the dog ring and the dog fighting, which resulted in him ending up having to serve time in prison. Michael Vick, once he was released from prison, was reinstated by the NFL and had a chance to play quarterback again. Is what Michael Vick did that much more heinous or less heinous than what Mickey Calloway did? Now, there is no proof that there was any sort of assault or rape or sexual assault. This was lewd conduct. It may uh, you know, have results of uh, you know pictures. Maybe there's a dick pic or something, which is is not acceptable. And there's no way I'm ever going to be in a position to tell you that it is acceptable type of behavior. But does that constitute a lifetime ban? Should Mickey Callaway never work in Major League Baseball again? And to add this a little further, now former Mets general manager Jared Porter. He's going to have a hard time getting a job in Major League Baseball. Now, he was not charged with anything. He did not serve any time in prison and is not on Major League Baseball's ineligible list. But there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball that all understand that it would be in bad taste to hire Jared Porter right now. I suggested a couple weeks ago he may be a great hire for the Colorado Rockies, a, a team that really needs a good baseball mind. And probably couldn't any, get any worse publicity than it has right now from its previous general manager 
his, his previous general manager's relationship with the owner, relationship with star player Nolan Arenado, and the way that whole thing was handled, him being traded to the St. Louis Cardinals with the Rockies agreeing to pay Nolan Arenado $50 million to not play for them anymore. But thinking about it, you know, you think of certain things that people end up having a lifetime ban for when it's not officially put that way. Like I said, John Coppolella, former general manager of the Atlanta Braves, was banned for life for Major League Baseball. He would have to, if he's ever going to be reinstated, he'd have to apply for such reinstatement. And at some point, Major League Baseball, if they chose to, would reinstate him and then he would be eligible to work again. Would anybody hire him? I don't know. If Pete Rose was reinstated, I'd be shocked if the Reds didn't hire him in some sort of capacity. Add another 10 years to it, a 90-year-old Pete Rose, the Reds would hire him. So there was a, if you, if you go back into your baseball history, and the year was, I believe, 2001, and I'm going to look it up to make sure that I'm 100% accurate with this. The Toronto Blue Jays had a manager by the name of Tim Johnson, and it's actually a couple years before that. He managed the Toronto Blue Jays in 1998. Johnson was a former major league player. I believe he was an infielder. And let me just confirm. Yes, he was a inf- middle infielder and a third baseman. He was hired to be the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays for the 1998 season. Now, he replaced, if I'm not mistaken, Cito Gaston. Cito Gaston walked away after leading the team to back-to-back World Series championships in 1992 and 1993. And the decision was made to hire Tim Johnson, who had a very good track record in the minor leagues, as their manager. And he ended up, the team performed well. After winning 76 games in 1997, the Blue Jays won 88 games in 1998. Now, it turns out that during Tim Johnson's interview process, he was asked, specifically about his role or his time in the U.S. military. And he fabricated it a little bit. He said that he was in combat, which was not, did not prove to be true. Whatever his uh, you know, involvement with the military was, was nowhere near as deep as it ended up being. Because of that, the Toronto Blue Jays terminated his employment right away. He was instantly fired. Is it a bad look for the, for the manager? Absolutely. Is it a bad look for the organization? I agree. Now, that was 1999. Tim Johnson has not managed in professional baseball since. Now, are you going to tell me that lying about the your career in the military is worse than harassing and possibly sexually harassing women while holding a prestigious position of power? And the answer to that is absolutely no. I'm sorry. You could be as pro-military as you ever want to be. You could be the biggest person that says, hey, the military, I look at it like my God. But you, you can't tell me that lying or fabricating a story about your career in the military is worse than sexual harassment 
or sexual assault or sending a friggin' picture of your penis through a camera roll. There's a difference. Unfortunately, woke society today, along with cancel culture, will make you think that they're one and the same. Baseball has dealt with its own cancel culture for a long time. Going back to the days, if you remember 1947, the season's about to start. Jackie Robinson's getting set to make his Major League debut. And Commissioner Happy Chandler makes the decision to suspend Brooklyn Dodgers manager Leo DeRocher for the 1947 season. Now, it was a combination of two things. I believe, truthfully, that it had more to do with DeRocher's association with gambling. That being said, I've had many that have told me it was more about DeRocher's extramarital affair or affairs. Of course, he ends up marrying actress Lorraine Day. He cheated on his wife. He had multiple infidelities. Baseball and its commissioner, Happy Chandler, determined that that was conduct detrimental to the sport. And Leo DeRocher was suspended for the 1947 season. And by the way, if you, if you think that that was the only penalty that DeRocher had to face, there was a severe falling out between DeRocher and then Brooklyn Dodgers president and general manager, Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey was a, a very much a churchgoer, a, a believer in God, a believer in morals. And, DeRo- and DeRocher's conduct, even though in the day and age we live in now may not be considered so bad, getting divorced, having an extramarital affair, this actually severed his relationship with the Brooklyn Dodgers and Branch Rickey. So weigh that against Mickey Callaway, perhaps sexually harassing some female reporters, maybe grabbing his crotch during an interview, maybe making some inappropriate comments. making some, I don't know, unwanted sexual advances. To me, I think it comes down to the person and their impact on the sport. Like I said, the Michael Vick example. Michael Vick did something that I think is worse than sexual harassment. He was responsible for the murder of dogs, many dogs, killed in inhumane ways. And as as much as sexual harassment should not be tolerated, it's not as serious as somebody that's out there murdering dogs. And Michael Vick got another chance. And I'm to say that somebody should deserve another chance. Now, they have to be contrite about it. Mark McGuire kind of got the cold shoulder for Major League Baseball, but then he did that interview on, uh, was it, with Diane Sawyer, where he was crying. He talked about his use of steroids and the, the fact that that's something that he did and was about. And then not too long after that, he was hired by the St. Louis Cardinals as a coach under Tony La Russa. And he ended up going to the Padres and the Dodgers, and he had himself a decent coaching career until he stepped away on his own volition a couple of years ago. I believe in second chances. 
I believe if somebody has done something, even in some cases that's stuff that should not be tolerated, stuff that involves jail time, I believe that person should, in the right circumstances, be given an opportunity to work again. I don't think Jared Porter should be banned from the workforce. I think at some point, assuming that he is contrite and he is remorseful for what he did, he should be awarded another opportunity to work in Major League Baseball. Mickey Callaway was a good pitching coach for the Cleveland Indians. You could question whether he was or was not a good manager for the New York Mets. I mean, a team in that second year won 88, 86 games. That doesn't just happen by luck. Should he be a manager again in Major League Baseball? Well, probably not. But to say that he should be banned from coaching, I think is a little bit far. So there's a report this week that Brandon Jacobs, former running back for the New York football Giants, is seriously attempting a comeback. And my first thought was that this was a little bit of of a joke. That maybe this wasn't true. Because I, I, I tried to remember, I'm like, when was the last time that Brandon Jacobs played? And it was 2013 at the age of 31. So eight years have gone by. It's 2021. He's 39 years old. Players in the National Football League don't play until they're 39 years old. You know, George Blanda played until he was in his late 40s. A lot of kickers play until their late 40s. We know about the phenomenon with Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl at, at the ripe old age of over 40. And we also know how long Jerry Rice played. He played up until he was 42. His last year was split between Oakland and with Seattle. So Brandon Jacobs, eight years out of the league, is legitimately considering a comeback. Not as a running back, but as a defensive end. Kind of brings me back to a conversation we had last week talking about Tim Tebow. The National Football League is not going to give you any sort of gifts. In other words, because you're Tim Tebow or because you're Brandon Jacobs, let's say he he's, he's beloved enough that somebody would want to give him a, a, an opportunity to go on a football field again. You know, the whole Rudy Rudiger thing. The, the NFL with their 53 players and the roster restrictions as they're set up can ill afford to carry a player that can't carry his own weight. In other words, a player that can't go on a field and be trusted to be competent and play their position well and be an asset to that respective team. If that's not if, if that's unable to be done, then that player is going to be cut. That player could have a role on a practice squad. And it's interesting to see as the NFL is getting ready for this next season, it'll be the second since the coronavirus, how they handle the practice squad. You know, the NFL increased the amount of players that were on each team's practice squad. Um, Would they go something considered, you know, close to that? Even with those spots, the players that are on that practice squad have some value. 
And those are players that ex- are expected. Let's say there's a break of the, you know, an outbreak of the coronavirus, and you need to add a couple players. You can pull them off your practice squad. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but even if it is, a spot on an NFL roster cannot be, you know, graduated to somebody. It can't be a, a charity to somebody. And that was my point. Speaking about Tim Tebow last week. Tim Tebow, if he makes the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's not going to be as a gift to Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer may love Tim Tebow. He may think he's the greatest person. He may think he's a great athlete. He may actually think that Tim Tebow has something left and something to offer. But if Tim Tebow can't cut it on the pro football field, he's not going to make the Jacksonville Jaguars. It doesn't matter how much Urban Meyer likes Tim Tebow. And I think the same thing is going to apply to Brandon Jacobs. Now, people may give Brandon Jacobs less of a chance because he's been out of the game eight years. Tebow's been out of the game, what, five years? We go back to Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber, when he ended up making his comeback, try, attempting to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, ended up not making a team. And it wasn't a knock against Tiki Barber. It was just that three years away from the NFL, made it that tough for him to be able to compete at that speed. So I'm rooting for Brandon Jacobs. I hope he actually I hope he gets the opportunity. I'd like to see him make it back into the NFL and at least play in preseason. But Tiki Barber played a full preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the end, did not make the team. And I had to be tough on him. You know, a, a very good running back. A player that played, what, nine years, ten years in the NFL? He decided to walk away on his own after really probably about five really, really good seasons. The last two, he was one of the top running backs in the entire NFL. Now, he decided he wanted to get into broadcasting, and he's still doing a pretty good job in broadcasting, working for CBS Sports. He he ends up trying to get on a Today Show. He was on there for a little while. It didn't work out. But, you know, he got the fire back. He decided he wanted to give it a shot. And you think there's been several examples of players in sports that have walked away and come back. Probably the most famous and the most successful was Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan won three championships as one of the best players that the NBA has ever seen for the Chicago Bulls. Decided to walk away because he wanted to try to play professional baseball. And you know what? As much as baseball and its minor league system has room for players to develop, Michael Jordan himself couldn't handle the fact that he wasn't the best or he wasn't performing at an elite level. So after one season playing for the Birmingham Barons, who, by the way, were managed by Terry Francona, he decided to walk away, comes back to the Chicago Bulls, wins three more championships, retires, and then comes back one more time for the Washington Wizards. Brett Favre, retired, came back, retired, came back. It's hard to take the competitive fire away from somebody that wants to be on that field. Understanding... And then I could say field, I mean court, I mean ice. It could be 
And anyway, Clay, if we're talking about tennis, to be a professional athlete, you know that the shelf life of the greatest of all time is not very long. So I don't blame anybody for trying to give it a shot, for trying to come back and give it one more chance before they finally hang it up for good. And I don't know if Brendan Jacobs come back or attempted or seriousness about making a comeback is directly related to Tim Tebow. But Tim Tebow has been working out. He's been playing professional baseball for the last four plus years. Not well, but he, I'm sure he's in shape. Brandon Jacobs insists that he's in good shape. So personally, I believe that he should get a shot. Now, there's got to be a team in the NFL that's willing to believe him or believe in him, saying, hey, this is a guy that has never played defensive end in a National Football League in his career, was a big, bruising running back, but last played in the NFL eight years ago. What's to say he's going to be a successful defensive end in the NFL? Now, all you need is a team to say, all right, we'll bring you in. It's going to be a non-guaranteed contract anyway, which most NFL players understand that. And all Brandon Jacobs reportedly is looking for is an opportunity to play pro football, play in preseason to work out, to see where he ranks in a depth chart. And if it's warranted that he could play in a couple preseason games to prove his worth, he just wants the shot. The NFL is very humbling. A lot of players wake up without their gifts. You wake up one day after making a lot of money playing a great sport, being one of amongst the top athletes in the world, and then the next day it's over. But I, I would absolutely be in favor of Brandon Jacobs getting a chance. Now, where do I rank it? Is it like a Tebow situation? Well, first you have to identify a team that would be interested. Yeah, there's a lot of teams out there that certainly can use a good edge rusher, but what's to say that Brandon Jacobs could be that at the age of 39? And how many pass rushers play until that age? I think Clay Matthews Sr. did, right? You know, when it comes to the NFL, you know, the shelf life usually kind of dies somewhere in the, in the early to mid-30s. And Clay Matthews did play until he was 40. He played with the Atlanta Falcons in 1996. So, Brandon Jacobs, to be on the football field, to be a, an edge rusher or a defensive end, would certainly be a great accomplishment. Is it in the same boat as Tim Tebow? Well, I think a lot of people are always going to look at Tim Tebow and feel like he has some sort of privilege that other people don't have. And I don't know if it's the fact that Tim Tebow is white. If Tim Tebow was black, some people may say he may not get the same privileges, which I disagree with. But Tim Tebow has been an athlete this whole time, is in his early 30s, tried to play baseball, I think should get a chance. 
He shouldn't be guaranteed a roster spot. He shouldn't be grandfathered or given any, given any sort of special treatment. But the NFL, we know, is extremely humbling. If a player cannot play, they will be cut. It doesn't matter whether they went to the University of Florida. It doesn't matter if they won a Heisman Trophy. It doesn't matter if they played professional baseball. It doesn't matter if they're considered the nicest person in the world and got a absolute undefined and undisputable relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You, if you could play on a gridiron, you're going to continue to have a professional football career. If not, you're getting cut. If you're Tiki Barber, you're getting cut. If you're Tim Tebow, you're getting cut. Tim Tebow was cut by the Philadelphia Eagles, which kind of led to his decision to try to play professional baseball. He gave it a shot. The 2020 season with the coronavirus pandemic and no minor league baseball, I think was a major roadblock for Tim Tebow. He was going to get another chance to play spring training with the Mets. And he decided he wanted to walk away. So last thing I was going to talk about, Julio Jones ends up being called during a live broadcast by Shannon Sharp. And Shannon Sharp has been known at times to say silly things. I believe personally the show with him and Skip Bayless sometimes is borderline unwatchable. I think they have the tendency to kind of go for the jugular to say something that just will sound so illogical just for the attention that it gets. And Shannon Sharp may have taken some of that from Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is the king of saying something for the sake of getting a reaction. Now, Shannon Sharp might have been feeling the the mood, conversation about Julio Jones. Hey, I got Julio Jones' number on my phone. Let me just uh, let me just ring him up while we're on this live broadcast. Hey, Julio, how you doing? It's Shannon Sharp. Now, you got to give Julio Jones some sort of notice that he's on on live television, and Shannon Sharp's got to know better. For a person that now considers himself a professional talk show host, that's not the way to be, and to end up getting two full questions out, one about whether you're coming back to your own team, which you know could be considered confidential information, something that he may not have wanted to necessarily have been made public. And then how do you feel about playing for the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, I think you'd want to know that you're live and on air. And Julio Jones, well, he's got to know that Shannon Sharp posts the talk show, but I don't blame him. He feels what he feels. And maybe he, he looks at Shannon Sharp as a confident, a person that he believes enough in that he can speak up and say what he wants or how he feels. And it ends up not working out well. Julio Jones makes these comments. They're on the record. He declares he's out in Atlanta. I'm sure at some point the new general manager with the Falcons and maybe the coach have reached out and spoken and had some sort of conversation with Julio Jones. But here's the here's the deal. Julio Jones, it may be 
an opportune time for him to move on. The Atlanta Falcons may be going through a little bit of a transition. They decided to take the uh, the tight end with the fourth overall pick. So they're looking to at least invest in their offense. Matt Ryan's going to be their quarterback again. And, yeah, you know, you got Calvin Ridley there. There are some talent and depth to the wide receiver core. But if you're the Falcons, I think you're looking to try to get yourself as competitive as possible. So it may make sense for the Falcons to look for suitors for Julio Jones. There's a lot of teams out there that could use a number one wide receiver. And think about it. You know, Odell Beckham, a couple of years ago, gets traded from the Giants to the Browns, and the last couple of years haven't been so great. Jarvis Landry has done better. There's other receivers that would probably be looked at as uh, higher up the depth chart for Baker Mayfield than Odell Beckham. And you think about all the talent that he has. But Julio Jones has been a proven number one receiver. Obviously, if you like fantasy football, you know he's usually the first, if not the first, usually one of the top two or three receivers taken overall in every fantasy football draft. How many teams are a number one receiver away from making a serious run this year? I think of my team, I think of the Tennessee Titans, and I think that would be an excellent fit. You know, Imagine him on one side, A.J. Brown on the other side. You know, Corey Davis left to join the New York football Jets. Ryan Tannehill handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. But, oh, yeah, he's got Julio Jones. That, 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 that would make the Titans a little bit better. You know, you think of the Denver Broncos. They got a couple of young receivers that they, they took last year. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers. But think about Stephon Diggs last year. He was traded, of course, from the... Minnesota Vikings to the Buffalo Bills. And the the Vikings ended up getting their Bills first overall first round pick and ended up taking Justin Jefferson out of LSU, who ends up becoming their number one wide receiver. And Stefan Diggs goes to Buffalo, gels with Josh Allen, and that Buffalo Bills team was one of the best teams in the NFL last year. Certainly one of the top two teams in the AFC. So you think of Julio Jones and a guy who's can't bound. He's on his way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame once his career is over. He's been one of the best wide receivers of this generation. And you, you got to look at a couple different spots. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers. You know, whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's Trey Lance, whoever's quarterback in that team next year, to have Julio Jones as a number one wide receiver. You know about the 49ers and their very good defense. They're a good all-around team. I don't think they have a star, absolute, unequivocal number one. You know, Brandon Ayuk looked good last year. But it's very interesting to look at when it comes to Julio Jones. And this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLE.com. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. A little bit of a recap today. We spoke a little bit about a common theme of this show, which is the criteria for giving an athlete, a coach, a second chance. And there's not, there's not a lot when it comes to it. You know, there's, there's certainly preferential treatment. Like I said, I used the Michael Vick example. Not to say that he didn't deserve a second chance. But what he ended up doing and had a serve time for 
is a lot more heinous than a Major League Baseball general manager taking a picture of his genitalia and sending it to a female and sending that female 62 unsolicited text messages. I think Jared Porter should get another opportunity in Major League Baseball somehow. Assuming he's contrite, assuming he feels bad, assuming that you know, he, he will never or promises to never put himself in a position like that again. Insist that that's not him. Because I think Mike, Michael Vick did the same thing. He said, listen, uh, you know, he, he made some mistakes, but that's not indicative of the type of person that he is. He learned from his mistakes. He's going to be a better person. And, and I think for, when it comes to cancel culture, when it comes to the woke that you see really within the next five years, woke America, we feel in some cases that we could forgive somebody that commits murder more than we could consider somebody that says something inappropriate to a female. I don't believe that somebody should be banned from ever working again. Now, there's people that are banned. Like I said, Major League Baseball has an ineligible list. You know, Pete Rose is on it. He's banned for life. Joe Jackson is banned for life. He's been dead for, what, 70 years. He's still banned for life. John Coppolello, former general manager at the Atlanta Braves, banned for life. All true. But you look at somebody like a Jared Porter, and I mentioned Tim Johnson, and a lot of people may not know who Tim Johnson is, but the one-time manager to Toronto Blue Jays was their manager for 1998, and then... In spring training of 1999, it was determined that he embellished, uh, perhaps lied about some of his information when it came to his service in the U.S. military, was fired. And for that, I don't have a problem with somebody being fired. But should he be banned for life? If he, if he is then I, I, I think it's a pretty silly rule because we're saying somebody's honesty in what they did or their part of the U.S. military is worse of an offense than somebody that murdered a bunch of animals. Somebody that commits sexual harassment. Greg Hardy and his domestic violence situation. For him to get the multiple chances that he got. Alden Smith others throughout the National Football League, domestic violent abusers, Jose Reyes, Aroldis Chapman. It's just a weird selectivity of how some players and people associated with a game get a second chance and others don't. And if Jared Porter doesn't get a second chance, then I think the whole, you know it's pointing out the hypocrisy of the whole situation. Spoke a little bit about Brandon Jacobs making a comeback. Is it another Tiki Barber situation? Should it even be taken seriously? You're talking about a guy that's been out of the league for eight years and he wants to come back a defensive end? It almost sounds like a joke. It almost sounds like a response to Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow out of the sport five years. He was a quarterback. He wants to... Come back as a tight end. Brandon Jacobs out of the league for eight years. He wants to come back. He was a running back. Now he wants to be a defensive end. 
it's almost it almost sounds like he's kind of mocking Tim Tebow out a little bit. But he says he's serious. He says he's in good enough shape. I'm in favor of it. Give him a shot. Julio Jones out of Atlanta after Shannon Sharp called him during his live broadcast. Because that would, that would be a bad job. Or actually, that will be something that will be held against Shannon Sharp to actually be responsible for a player end up not playing for their team. You had to send him a text message. Hey, I'm going to call you. We're on live. We're on it. We're live. But Julio Jones will be a great fit for a lot of teams in the National Football League. We'll be back with you next week. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by com by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.